Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Generative AI, conversational AI, machine learning, AI-driven search engines, and AI chatbots. It seems like we can't go anywhere or do anything without hearing about AI. My next guest says companies should be transparent about using AI and chat GPT, and those who choose not to could get slapped with an FTC investigation or lawsuit. Joining me now is advertising lawyer John Villafranco, partner at Kelly Dry and Warren LLP. Hi, John, and welcome to the NutraCast. Hello, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for joining me. So what are some ways in which the dietary supplement industry is using these different forms of AI? I mean, industry in general is using AI to communicate with consumers, to generate content, to market effectively, to figure out the best way to reach their target audience. We're seeing it in all sorts of different media at this time. And so why is it important for companies to disclose if they are using ChatGPT or some of these other types of AI? Well, I mean, ChatGPT and other large language models can can generate output that is false, misleading, biased, illegal, or inaccurate. And, and it can be difficult to trace the source of the error or hold anyone responsible for the consequences. And, you know, the Federal Trade Commission has, uh, has, has recently issued some guidance. I mean, they, they're very attentive to new technologies and, and new ways of reaching consumers. And and that guidance has noted that manipulation can be a deceptive or unfair practice under Section 5 of the FTC Act when generative AI output is driving a consumer to a particular website or a service provider or a product because of a commercial relationship. Um, and you know, so and if you are found liable for a deceptive or unfair act under Section 5 of the FTC Act, uh, it could mean that your company could be subject to burdensome uh, injunctive relief, or depending upon the FTC's uh, legal theory, it could mean that your company might even have to pay um, some sort of a penalty. Uh, so uh, it, it's super, it, it's really, really important right now that, that companies be aware of the law as it evolves when it comes to AI. So you mentioned sort of AI-related deception in marketing. You named a couple examples, but what are some some other examples of what would be considered deceptive? Well, for example, ChatGPT may intentionally or inadvertently use personal information obtained without legal basis or, or without adequate transparency and notice. It could expose users' personal data or references to third parties, which can access or analyze the inputs and outputs of the tool potentially compromising data protection or confidential obligations. And it could also reveal sensitive information that users provide to the tool, either intentionally or unintentionally, such as financial data, health records, or trade secrets. And that could result in in liability resulting from data breaches. And also the FTC has been outspoken of late about what they refer to as dark patterns. And that's sophisticated design practices or formats that manipulate or mislead consumers into taking actions that they would not otherwise take. And so to the extent that AI is used by a company to improve or to manipulate a consumer or to 
potentially lead a consumer in a direction that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have headed into, then then it could result in an unfair or deceptive act or, pra- act or practice. Wow, that's a whole lot of stuff. And I have to imagine most consumers probably aren't aware of all this. No, I, I don't think that they are. I think we're becoming increasingly aware. I don't know about you, but I know that I seem to be interacting with chatbots a lot more lately. And you oftentimes, you maybe think that you're you're actually interacting with a, a human and you're not, and that can be very frustrating. So I think that there is increasing awareness, but, but you're right. I mean, oftentimes uh, consumers don't really know that there's um, AI in the background. Right. So what are some best practices for companies to assess and mitigate risks when building and deploying new tools? You know, there are a number of things that you can do, but as we counsel our clients, I think that there are really are four main things. And, you know, one, you want to make sure users know when they're interacting with AI and, and not a human being. You know, any AI-based tool or bot that interacts with individuals and could be mistaken for human interaction needs to be clearly identified as a bot. I think that's rule number one. Also, I think, and this really applies to anyone who's using AI, whether you're you know, a, a marketer or whether you're a student preparing a, a college application. You, know, you, maybe you can use AI as an aid, but not as a ghostwriter. And you need to disclose when AI is used in the drafting process. So while a- AI may be used as a tool to assist with ideas, outlines, or rough drafts, final works need to be created by human beings. And this is critical to prevent errors and protect intellectual property rights. We also counsel our clients to that they should not rely on AI for, for final content without approval and disclosure. Use of content created substantially or entirely by AI is absolutely discouraged. And you might it might require um, additional disclosures and disclaimers. You know, for example, you might need to tell consumers that the content was created with AI using a certain tool without human editing or review. It may contain errors or, or inaccuracy and is provided as is without any warranty of any kind. And so something like a disclosure like that can protect marketers who are relying on, on AI to come up with their creative content. And then finally, you should always disclose when you're using any images, audio, or video content that is, that's been created or materially altered using AI. And that can be done with a watermark or some other persistent disclosure on or, or with the image or, or video, or by clearly and conspicuously providing the disclosure at the beginning of, of the content. Good to know. So probably the least favorite part for me of doing this NutriCast is when I have to kind of summarize conversations. And I was thinking, well, what if I just found an AI tool to kind of summarize my podcast for me? So you're saying if I do that, I should disclose it and let everybody know, hey, this little summary was not written by me. Correct. Okay. And so what can we learn from maybe some of the current cases involving AI? Well, fortunately for the industry, there haven't been any cases of as of yet that involve supplement manufacturers, but there have been a number of private lawsuits. And those lawsuits have primarily been filed alleging copyright violations due to AI. Um, for example, Microsoft and GitHub and OpenAI are currently the defendants in a class action out of California that claims that their co-generating AI product violates copyright law. 
by outputting license code without providing credit. So just exactly as we've been talking about. Getty Images also filed a suit against Stability AI, alleging their AI art tool scraped images from its site. So, you know, we're, we're starting to see these lawsuits occur. I expect that they're going to be occurring with more frequency and speed, and there'll be a much more heavy volume. Uh, I don't think it'll be long before the supplement industry finds itself or, or a member of the industry in, in a lawsuit such as this. But as I said at the outset, so far, um, we haven't seen any private lawsuits that involve supplement manufacturers specifically. Mm-hmm. Some are really excited about the opportunities that AI presents and others are a little more cautious. What's your stance? Well, I mean, I, I think it's I'm both excited and cautious, right? And I think, uh, you know, when, whenever the FTC begins to take notice and issue guidance, then that means that there is likely an enforcement action that's not that far behind. The FTC likes to instill discipline in the marketplace by bringing lawsuits against companies. And and as you might expect, when they do that, other companies will pay attention and they'll conform their activities accordingly. And so we've we've already seen the FTC caution companies about over-relying on chatbots and AI to provide customer service and resolve consumer inquiries. You know, they've also expressed concern about the limited limited ability of the technology to resolve complex problems and the potential for inaccurate or insufficient uh, information. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the associated security risks. So um, my, I think that if I'm, as I talk to companies about this, it's it's a time to be excited because I think that the technology really does provide all kinds of wonderful possibilities, really ways to reach your consumers with creative content. But there's no doubt that there, this is new ground. It'd be very easy to step in a pothole out there and, and really injure yourself. So you want to proceed cautiously. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about AI use in marketing, but what about behind the scenes, maybe in production, looking at you know how to be more efficient in the workplace, looking at weather patterns and things like that. Is that something that you are seeing more of as well? I'm primarily an advertising and marketing lawyer, which means that I I don't really involve myself too much in in the behind the scenes processes. But I have read quite a bit about companies that are starting to use AI. And I think this is very relevant for the supplement industry using AI to assist in their formulation of products, yeah. figuring out, you know, what exactly is the best way to, to uh, you know, what is the, the best dosage for individual ingredients to, to help a product achieve a certain outcome or degree of efficacy. So I think that's very exciting. You know, I think that supplement manufacturers historically have been so creative in, in, uh, in, coming up with unique formulations that comprise various ingredients that you know, individually or taken together will provide a, a desired effect. And uh, I think the possibility of employing AI in, in this area is, is super exciting, really exciting. Definitely. So what is your prediction for supplements? What do you see down the road? Well, you know, I think whenever you, you think about a question like that, you, you, you want to 
first of all, kind of before you look ahead, you want to look back, right? And and one thing that we know is that um, I mean the FTC has historically scrutinized the supplement industry very very closely, and and most recently we've seen in December of 22 they issued their revised health claim guidance, which actually has broader reach in that it involves all health claims made for products, but it, it its primary focus is on the dietary supplement industry. And in the past, uh, the FTC has has really been suspicious of supplement manufacturers because they they believe that supplements are marketed heavily in the absence of reliable evidence of efficacy or safety. Um, as a general rule, as you know, uh, the FTC expects high quality, randomized, controlled human clinical trials, and, and many supplements are marketed without that level of scientific support. There's also a perception that consumers are injured economically by paying money for products that don't deliver the benefits. And the FTC is concerned that some people may delay proven therapies because they're relying on supplements. Now, you know, I think that there's a view to be that needs to be balanced against that sort of suspicion. And that is that many consumers take these products because, you know, they're hopeful that they'll have long-term effects and they, they read the emerging science and make educated decisions on their own. And many consumers don't feel that they need FDA level type clinicals to feel confident that they're going to take a product as long as they know it's safe. So it's with it, with that historical context, as we look forward, I think what we're going to see in the coming months and years is more litigation around the FTC's health claim guidance document that was issued in December 22, because that document really raised the bar in terms of the level of scientific evidence that the FTC considers to be necessary to make a health claim. Uh, you know, the FTC now is, is saying that you need one, maybe two randomized control trials that are absolutely gold standard and, and really uh, reach a, a high level of, of certainty in, in, in their conclusions. And that issue is, is gonna be, I think, the subject of litigation I could tell you that uh, we're involved in a case involving Quincy Bioscience. It's in the Southern District of New York and before Judge Stanton, and that's going to go to trial probably this winter sometime, uh, late winter, I would say. And, and that, that case involves the product Prevagen. I think that that's one to watch because it will challenge squarely the FTC's perception of what is required in order to make a health claim in connection with the marketing of dietary supplements. Is there any other details you're allowed to tell us about that case? I'm sure. I mean, it's a publicly filed case. The FTC's complaint is available to anyone who's interested in reading it, as, as is the company's answer. And I could tell you that in that case, the manufacturer of the product went to market with a, a battery of tests uh, that began with you know lab tests and animal tests and open studies and culminated in a human clinical study that was randomized and, and controlled uh, and yielded statistically significant results. And, and in that case, the FTC is not challenging the, the test protocol in so much as they are challenging the way that the data from that test is interpreted. In that you might know the product, it's Prevagen, it, it improves memory. And you know this is a, a battle of the experts where you know, the FTC's experts will contend that the science doesn't support the claim and 
and the company's experts will obviously take the opposite view. So we'll see how Judge Stanton um, in the Southern District will ultimately rule on that. And I think that that case is going to, as I said, it's going to tell us a lot about whether the, the FTC's health claims guidance is, is uh, properly rooted in the law. It's guidance to the industry, which means that it's staff's perception of what the FTC staff's perception of what the law is at this moment, but that that doesn't mean that it is the law. It is, in fact, not the law. It is just guidance from the staff. So we'll see um, as that case is litigated, uh, you know, what a federal judge concludes is the appropriate way to interpret Section 5 of the FTC Act in, in this context. Yeah, that'll be certainly a case we'll be keeping our eyes on. Do we know when it's expected to conclude? No, but uh, there's a, a scheduling conference that's coming up, and uh, so we'll have a, we'll know when we're actually going to go to trial, and and then I think it'll be fairly easy to predict when it will conclude, when we'll have a decision that's unclear, but it, it'll be I would assume a, a, a 2024 event. Okay. All eyes on that case, as well as FTC's health claim guidance. John Villafranco, partner at Kelly Dry and Warren, thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast. Oh, very happy to participate. Thanks for having me. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.